therein lies the secret to our recruitment process. <laughs> we'll talk about on Monday what's next for you. So, wonderful. Well, listen, it is just so good to be here together. The uh, Care Centre Tour, do that. That's going to be amazing. You know, we have just such an amazing Care Centre team under the leadership of uh, Heather, our Compassion and Justice Pastor. So do, after this, grab a donut, grab a drink and go and have a wander around. We're just so grateful to the God for uh, the resources and the facilities he's entrusted to us uh, that we can serve uh, in in this way. Uh, I think I'm going to pray. Is that all right? Never a bad thing to pray, isn't it? Let's pray and then we get going. Lord, I want to thank you for the fact that you are with us. I just love that new song, an opportunity to say how beautiful you are. As we gaze upon you, Lord, Lord, I pray pray that that you would continue to speak to our hearts this morning. Continue to conform us to the likeness of your son, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come in power and do that which only you can do, Lord God. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, guys, we are in our REACH series, which I started a long time ago, uh, looking at exiting the liminal. I'm not going to go through that, but you can catch up uh, on the website and podcast if you miss any of those talks, just the sense that we have been in the threshold and therefore God has been preparing for us for the new. And then we looked at what that new is, and I cast a vision for the next decade of how God is calling us to once again extend our reach to reach the lost. And how do we do that? Creating and for people to encounter Jesus. Wow, we've got a little bit of work to do, haven't we? (laughs) Should we try that one more time? God is calling us to create and for people to... There you go, well done, top marks, you all get a gold star. But that's the season we're in, and we unpacked what does that actually mean and what does it actually look like? And we looked at places, we announced that the new Hatfield site and the call of, of the Lord, yeah, whoop, whoop, AJ and Jenna, our new Hatfield site pastors, and uh, how God has called us to extend our reach by uh, continuing, as we have done historically, to plant out churches, slightly different model as we look at sites, but uh, Lord relayed on my heart five in five, and so we have a plan to create space, places where people can encounter with Jesus. Then we looked at spaces within this building. Uh, you've all hopefully had a tour of next door as we have already started the work on um, creating a brand new youth auditorium space, Adventureland space, Ascend, special educational needs space, and other spaces as we explore different service formats and uh, worship um, uh, opportunities to encounter Jesus in that way. You know, that's the vision and that's the heart behind investing in our worship here. You know, Sam Lane, our worship pastor, just does such an amazing job. We're just so blessed to have him here and we want to be able to support the work the Lord's doing. So that's why we have Eduardo. And so it's an exciting year for worship as we continue to create space for people to encounter Jesus. And so therefore, it brings me on to the everyone gets to play piece that we're in. And Trevor just did an amazing job last week. Thank you for that, Trevor. Um, Just love that. Looking at that, our first response is always prayer. 
And uh, Trevor unpacked for us six areas or six reasons what, that we pray and uh, this prayer diary that we launched that you should have all got and uh, six things we're praying for. So do join us every uh, Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. on site or online as we pray for what God's placed on our hearts. Now, who received one of these? Yeah, you should have all got one of these. If not, there are some out there. This really is in a booklet, um, the reach vision that I have outlined, and it talks about how we respond to that. And of course, one of the ways in which we respond to this is financially. Um, and if you are here for the first time, um, can I say welcome? Great timing. We're talking about money. <laughs> there you go. We don't always, you know, but you've, you've managed to make it right on schedule. So, um, you know, there is a financial component, and there always is whenever we extend our reach, you know. And we're going to look at that specifically in terms of how we respond to this reach vision next week. But what I want to do for us this, this week is really talk about and explain the power of money and the place of giving. The power of money and the place of giving. And that is what I want us to explore this morning. You know, you might be thinking right now, wow, Mark, what a time to talk about money. Are you kidding? Have you watched the news? Inflation is up to 5%. It's going to skyrocket. Prices and the petrol pump that we all go to is what? Interest rates are on the rise, impacting people's mortgages. We hear that this is the worst uh, time for uh, cost of living in decades. Energy prices are about to go bang, and even more so as we roll out sanctions. And the reality is, is that this is hard. For many, they'll be able to stretch. But for others of you, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be tough. And so, yes, it is in the midst of this that I talk about money and giving. Can I propose that this is actually the best time? You know, as I was preparing this word, the Lord reminded me of something that happened to me over 20 years ago. I had just left university and uh, I'd got a new, I got a job at an internet company. And uh, this was just before, around the time, do you remember 2000 when the bubble burst and dot com? And I remember I'd go to work and I was, my first job out of uni, wow, what a paycheck. It was just amazing. Kind of went to my head, to be honest with you. Got my Amex Platinum card. I used to enjoy whipping that out. Do you take Amex? No, we don't. Oh. Um. <laughs> Debit card? Yeah, I do. Thank you. And I'd go into work and be in an internet company around that time. There would be fruit laid on. There'd be pineapples and kiwi fruits and pomegranates. Maybe not pomegranates, but the others there were. Grapes. And I remember it all went bang. And then the next day I came into work and was like, would you like an apple, Mark? Where's a pineapple? Times are tough. Seriously, it was like that. And then the company started making people redundant. I was like, oh, man, this is not good. I've got myself in a little bit of debt. See, the problem I had was I had the cash flow. You know where I'm going with this. But it gave me the illusion that I had lots of money. But all I started doing was kind of moving things from one card to the next. And I remember it just, in that moment of like, oh, boy, I mean, this is not necessarily a great time to be in this position. I remember walking down 
because I worked in Farringdon at the time, a really cool place. And I worked in Clerkenwell, which is in Farringdon. And there was a Bartley's branch there, and I've always banked with Bartley's. And I remember walking to the bank to see the bank manager. Oh, they used to have people you could see in those days. It was very nice. And I remember walking there thinking, oh, what am I going to do? And I'll tell you what happened. I'm walking, I remember it like it was yesterday. I'm walking down the road like this, and this guy starts walking towards me, and he smiles at me. And I just started crying. It was just the most, it was this love and this understanding and it's, it's going to be okay. And he walked past me. I was like, that was an angel, I'm sure. <laughs> so I go to the bank and, I'm, and he's like, Mark, you can't really move things around much more. Now, at the time, I was still living at my parents' place. And I remember on the tube on the way home thinking, I've just got to speak to my parents about this. I was maybe not 20. I'm 44 now, it was, I was 20-ish, I don't know, I can't remember, but I was an adult, right, but I was still living with my parents, and I remember getting home to my parents, and I sat down and said, mum and dad, I've got to tell you something, I'm really struggling, I think I've made some serious mistakes here, they said, what's going on, I said, well, I'm X of thousands of pounds in debt, what am I going to do, and do you know what my parents said, they said, Mark, give me your cards, You want my, yeah, give me your cards. Right, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to pay off your debt for you. And we're going to sit down with you and put a budget together. And you're going to pay us back every month. It's going to be okay. And I want you to build your life around tithing to God. You start from that place and it'll be okay. I didn't have to say yes. I was an adult. But you see, in that moment, the love of my parents said, in the midst of the financial difficulty, there's a better way. And that's the heart of this message. It's the Heavenly Father saying, it's going to be okay. There's a better way. I've got you. And that's what I want to explore with us this morning. You know, John MacArthur, who's a pastor and a theologian, some of you may have heard about him, he's in the US. He said this, when it, in terms of money, 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus deal with money. One out of 10 verses in the New Testament deals with the subject. Scripture offers about 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 on faith, and over 2,000 on money. He said this, the believer's attitude towards money and possessions is determinative. In other words, it will determine your life. How many, well, we don't have to put your hands up, but who knows that to be true? 15% of all that Jesus spoke about was money. Did you know that? More than heaven and hell combined. Why? Because money is an issue of the heart. Money is an issue of relationship. Money is just a tool. It's neutral. But you see, it can become the thing that pulls us away from Jesus. He is so jealous for us. I wish I had the words to convey how much he loves you. I know I'm going to fail. But he's so jealous for you. He's so jealous for your heart. But you see where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And so I want to look at the power of giving. Three things. Before I do that, though, I want to just make sure we're on the same page as the, the types of giving. And it talks about in the Bible very briefly. The first one is tithes. I'm sure you've heard of this. Christian-y word. You know, the word tithe is a Hebrew word. It actually means 10%. It 
of what you earn, your produce or earnings. Now, many people will say, well, the tithe is part of the Old Testament, Mark, the law, so it doesn't count, does it? Can I propose this? The first time we ever see a tithe being given in the Bible is actually in Genesis 14. And what we see is Abraham offers a tithe to the high priest, Melchizedek. Why did he do that? Because they had just defeated the Elam, and as a way of thankfulness and worship to God, he offered 10%. It was pre-law. You see, it's an issue of the heart. Tithing is not a legalistic requirement. It is God saying, I am jealous for your heart. I want your heart. And so tithing is a response of our thankfulness and our worship to him. You know, Jesus said, Mark 12, 17, you know, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, that's your taxes, and to God what is God's. Therein kind of lies the answer to, is it pre-tax or post-tax? Well, you figure that one out. Out of that pot that you receive, give it to God and then give it to Caesar. Don't give it to Caesar and then from that pot, give it to God. You see, the intent here is that whatever our income, we build our life around giving our tithe. It's our first fruits. We give God our best, not the other way around. Tithing is not about saying, right, I'm gonna live my life to how I wanna do it and then whatever is left over, I'll give it to God because that reveals our heart towards him. It's an issue of relationship. It's an issue of the heart. You know, um, there's a great, there was a US pastor, and I remember listening to him on Premier Radio in the, in the 90s, and he had a ministry called Love Worth Finding, which is a lovely name. It's called Adrian Rogers, and he says this, God doesn't need us to give him our money. He owns everything. Fact check. <laughs> true. Tithing is God's way to grow Christians. It's true. It's a discipleship issue. Listen, if you're committed to growing like Jesus, then we need and you need to be committed to giving because that's the place that you grow to become like Jesus. And we're gonna look at that in a moment. Number two, offerings. These are over and above your tithes. You know, there was a guy called Fred Smith and he said this, he said, uh, for some rich Christians in America, and he can apply that here as well, tithing is an excuse not to give generously. Wow. Well, I've given my 10%, so I am done. Thank you very much. You know, uh, in the Old Testament, it's a great story of when the Israelites were released out of captivity in Babylon and, uh, and they go to uh, rebuild the ter- temple. And if you read in Ezra 3, there is an offering to rebuild the temple. This was over and above. And we're going to spend some more time looking at this next week because there is an opportunity to go over and above to extend our reach to reach the lost. You know, I was reading 2 Corinthians this morning and Paul talks about the church in, churches in Macedonia who asked Paul for the favour of giving to the work of Christ over and above. Did you know that? They asked Paul for the favour of it. And we're going to have that opportunity and I'm going to look at that next week. And lastly, acts of righteousness. This is to bless people for them to experience God's love, to meet needs. You know, some of the best moments I've had is putting some money in an envelope and putting it to someone they don't know it's me. You should try it. It's awesome. It doesn't need to be a lot. It can be a fiver. Try it. 
Acts of righteousness that no one sees. You know, Jesus in Matthew 6, doesn't he say, you know, that thing that God sees you do in secret, he will bless you and reward you. So there you go, three things, tithing, offering, acts of righteousness. And I wanna do a deep dive, as they say, on tithing. You, you still can't get the business speak out of me sometimes, so I apologise. You know, there is power in giving. We're going to look at those. Before I do that, I want to say there are many practical benefits to tithing. Not least, it forces you to budget and control your money. You know, Billy Graham famously said this about money. If a person gets his attitude towards money right and straight, he will straighten out almost every other area in his life. It is true. I mean, you, to be honest, you know this is true, right? I mean, you, you know it. You know, the worst times in my life are the moments where I feel like I don't have any control of my money, that it controls me. You get a ping from the bank saying you're overdrawn or you didn't realise that expense needed to go out. That's evidence that the money is controlling us. It's a tool, it's a neutral thing. You know, Jesus didn't say money's bad. In fact, it's a good thing. It's the love of money that's the problem. So there are many practical benefits, and I'd encourage you to, you know, CAP is just a wonderful ministry, Christians Against Poverty, that work with people on budgeting and financing and building a life in such a way they understand how their money is being used and they can use their money. But I want to talk about three spiritual principles of giving that are going to unlock for you something very powerful. And can I just have my water, please? Thank you. Thank you, darling. Oh, it's empty. Would you mind getting me some water, please, darling? Thank you very much. <laughs> Wonderful. The first thing is this. It breaks the spirit of poverty. Now, what do I mean by the spirit of poverty? Because that sounds like a very Christian-y kind of word, doesn't it? Well, in summary, it is the feeling and fear of lack. But more specifically, living with the spirit of poverty is like looking at your life. Thank you, darling in a circus mirror. Do you know the ones I mean? Where everything gets distorted. You know, like... <laughs> or to use modern, modern metaphors and examples, a Snapchat filter. Not that I have one. Or any other filter. It's funny because it was a couple of days ago and uh, Daniel, had my, my youngest boy, had Ellie's iPad. And I could see that Daniel had the iPad here and it was doing this. <laughs> You're right there, son. And I peered round and his face was like, he had one of these filters on, I couldn't believe it. Well, that's what the spirit of poverty is like. You see, it distorts your life. It distorts our view so that we see our life as lack, decrease and limitations. A spirit of poverty distorts us and our view on our life based on fear and not on his truth. It manifests itself in the fear that I'll never have enough. It's only heading in one direction and that's down south. And in its extreme sense, a fear of financial disaster. That is, if you can identify with any of those, there is a spirit of poverty that's operating. And you know, it permeates our thoughts and so it impacts our actions. And what happens is we hold on to it tight. What happens is we start worshipping it. We put our trust in it. You know, 
The thing about spirit poverty is that it isn't related to how much you have. It is not directly proportional to how little you have. I can attest to this. There have been seasons in our lives, Steph and I, where we've had nothing. And each month we're like, well, we're going to get something for next month. And God provided. And there's been seasons where we have had an awful lot of money. And everything in between. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how much you have. This thing always operates. In fact, if I'm completely honest, it's for the more money I have, the more I'm fearful. I have met millionaires, I know millionaires, who have all the cars in the world, we know people, you know, who have so much, and yet they are so fearful of money. And I, have met, I know people that don't have much, and they are just so free with it, and they're so generous with it. So when I say spirit of poverty, it impacts all of us. It's not dependent on how much you have. So why is this the case? Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know, the moment we elevate money to the point that we put our trust in it is the moment we start serving it. It is so true. And listen, anything you serve other than God is gonna put you in bondage. Anything other than God that you worship will not lead to freedom, it will lead to bondage. And that's exactly what happens with money. It's a spiritual principle and a spiritual dynamic. And so what happens is giving your tithe, can I just say, when God instructs us to do things, he, he does so for our own benefit. Like when God says, do not be anxious, you don't go, what? Seriously, Lord, I love worrying. How dare you take that away from me? I mean, it's obvious when God says, do not anxious. And yet when he says tithe, you go, well, I'm not sure he's got that one right. It's the same God, the same heart. He wants the best for us. So when he says give, it's the same heart that says, do not be anxious. Do you get it, what I'm trying to convey here? Thank you. Thank you, Sally. (laughs) There is something so freeing about when we give. It is a declaration that we serve God and our reliance comes from him. It's our way of saying, I trust you, God. I'm thankful that everything I have is yours. There is a spiritual thing that happens when we give. It breaks that spirit of poverty and it makes a declaration in our lives and in our homes that we serve him. And there is freedom that comes in that. And for some of you, you know, this is gonna be hitting a nerve. I just wanna say this. Make a start by saying, I accept God's truth that as I look at the birds of the air and they do not sow nor reap or store in barns, yet how much do you, Lord, feed them? How much more important am I? That's what God says. And some of us need to hear that truth and dwell in that truth and meditate on that truth. Okay, so that's the first one. It breaks a spirit of poverty. Number two, positions us for his blessings. Now, I venture onto this subject uh, with an awareness that I need to be sensitive and clear. Why? Because the danger of this subject is that we can so easily distort the truth and construct a formula to get more. And before we know it, we get into heresy, which we call the prosperity gospel, which essentially says, you give a tenner and you get 100 back. Have you seen those ministries... Write in with your check of 10 pounds and we'll pray for you and you're gonna receive God's blessing. 
You put a picture of what you want on your wall, you name it, you claim it, you'll get it. We might laugh, but this is serious. I have met people that have been ruined financially because of the lie and the trap. There is a magic formula to their money. It's the lie of the enemy. It's a distortion of truth. And so being sensitive to this, and rightly so, we can be in danger, however, of not talking about it at all. Because we don't want to even go to that subject, lest anyone think we're talking about prosperity, and I'm not. But as I was talking to someone this week, they said, you know, you just can't escape it. There is a link between sowing into the kingdom and reaping. There is a connection which is made plain and clear in the Scriptures in both the Old and New Testament. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says this, verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You know, Trevor said before, as he's talked about the place of giving, he said, you know, can't afford not to give. You know, Malachi, did you know there's only one place in the Bible that God says, test me on this? You know that? Malachi 3.10, it's going to be on the screen. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Listen, God wants to bless you. He delights in it. We serve a father that wants to bless us. And so when we talk about the relationship between giving and receiving blessings, I want to be clear. It isn't about a transactional arrangement based on our merits and how good we are at giving. It isn't a magic formula that some will tell you. It's about a relationship based on his grace, his unmerited favour towards us. He wants us to trust in him so that he can trust us with his blessings. Are you getting this? It's an issue of the heart and blessings flow in that place. We give as part of our thankfulness and trust in him for our needs and he rewards us in that. And can I just say quite boldly, I would say the opposite is true. Many people are not walking in the full blessings God has for you because you're not giving freely to him. The the word says it as so. Hear my heart on this, please. I want you to receive the best the Lord has for you. And his word is so clear on it. Number three, our last one, as uh, we attempt to land this plane on what is going to be a very long runway, granted. <laughs> Number three, it sets our hearts towards Jesus. Matthew six twelve. for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I'd like to quote Adrian Rogers again, because I, I, I can't put it better than this. He says this, you can sing all you want, about how you love Jesus. And haven't we done that? You've all sang. You can have crocodile tears in your eyes, but the consecration that doesn't reach your purse has not reached your heart. That is challenging. You know, there's a battle for your heart and the enemy knows that he can get your money, he'll get your heart. The devil wants it focused on this world so that you're not focused on his kingdom. Money is an indication of where your priorities are. We can do this exercise together. You don't have to do it now, but get your phone up. You get your mobile app up. You look at what you're spending your money on and that will show you what your priorities are in. 
Why not do that as an exercise? As you think about the place of giving in your lives, look at how you're giving because that will show you where your heart's at. You know, I never really looked at the markets until I put money in the markets. And it was like every day, where's it going? Up, down, up. Prior to that, I never thought about markets. But you see, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And you see, God wants our treasure in heaven. You see, when we give freely, what God is saying is, you'll get treasures in heaven. We could spend so much time on this subject, and I'm not going to go there right now. But listen, I'll give you a very quick example on this long runway. Uh, I was listening to Francis Chan recently. Some of you might know Francis Chan. And he gave this really good example that I think conveys the sense of this. He said, imagine that uh, you get a phone call from an uncle you never knew you had. Uncle Louis. And Louis goes, hey, it's Louis. Steph and I watched The House of Gucci recently and... Uh, and so uh, we practice an Italian accent. So if you're Italian, I apologize. <laughs> hey, it's Louis. Hey, Uncle Louis. I, never, did I, I didn't know I had an Uncle Louis. Do you have an Uncle Louis? Yeah, we have an Uncle Louis. But listen, I've got to deal with you. You go to college, you spend three years, and you get that diploma. And I tell you, the moment you get that diploma, I'll give you a billion pounds. <gasps> Who wishes we had an uncle like Uncle Louis? And anyway, you go, who is this Uncle Louis? Google him. Oh, he exists. And Uncle Louis gives you a contract. Now, what would you do? Would you work hard to get your diploma? Right. Even if you had to maybe live on pot noodles, you know where I'm going with this. All of a sudden, you get your diploma and Uncle Louis says, hey! Something like that. (laughs) Al Pacino was in that movie and he did a lot of that. Is it your billion? And that's it. You're set up for life. Listen. Oh, if I can only convey that we have an opportunity to throw on the treasures ahead of us. Listen. We're here for a moment. Let's not waste this time. Let's be wasted extending his kingdom and giving so freely. It's, you can't outgive God. It's not like you're going to get to... God, I spent... 1,233 pounds my whole life, you owe me big time. It's not going to be like that. I'll invite the band up at this point. I want to say this, listen. If you are committed to following Jesus, then you need to be committed to sorting out your finances and giving to him. I can't say it more plainly than that. If you are part of this church, then our expectation is that you are tithing. Listen, I'm not asking for a membership fee. Yes. Do you know how much it costs to keep the lights on? And don't all send me links to moneysupermarket.com. We've done a lot of that already. Yes, we exist to be the storehouse to do all that you're going to see next door and all that we can do to extend God's kingdom. But it's not a membership fee. It's an indication of our commitment to him. And if we signed up to the reach vision, we're signing up to live in a life where we reach out for him and it costs us. This is the truth of it. I want you as your pastor. Listen, it would be disingenuous of me at best and terrible of me at worst if as your pastor, I didn't talk about money. Jesus talked about it. And so am I. If you're committed to becoming like Jesus, then you need to ask yourself the question, where is my heart? Because where your money is, there your heart is also.
How do you start? Listen, I'm not suggesting that tomorrow you go, if you haven't ever tithed before, you, you go to 10%. Just start where you're at, where you're at. Start where you're at. God knows your heart. Maybe you need to sit down with your partner. And for some of you, I know it's difficult. Maybe your, your partner's not a Christian, but see what you're able to do. You, sit, you know, Steph and I, this week, are going to go through our budget again as we think about extending our reach. Then what can we do? This is going to be great, by the way. Get excited. You mean I get to get in control of my money? Yes. You mean it's going to break that spirit of poverty? You know, you might always have a bit of a battle, but you're going to make the right movement forward. Does it mean it positions me for his blessings? Yes. Because if you are generous towards others, he's going to be generous to you. Does it mean <laughs> that my heart's going to be set on him? Yes. Don't let cynicism stop you from engaging with what the Lord's doing. Because this is an exciting time. And with that, can I ask you to stand as I pray? Thank you. Thank you.